0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thiefstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You're listening to I Hate the Fins. I believe this is our 12th episode with the fin Cider Radio Podcast Network uh plenty of other shows that you can check out on that platform we are one of them obviously thanks for joining us my name is keith my co-host zach will join me in a moment uh we're just gonna really get right down to it we're in the midst of a coaching search that looks like it might be winding down maybe not we don't have really much of a timetable there we'll find out when it happens we will talk a little bit about the national championship game which is monday last monday Obviously, we're, we're big into talking about the draft, talking about draft prospects, so we'll talk about that game a little bit. <clears throat> and then we'll go ahead and um, we'll just transition it to, unfortunately, we're hoping to get into the quarterback talk a little bit later. Uh, Zach has resisted it as much as he can, but unfortunately tonight it's going to happen a little bit, so for the time being, he's drunk. So um, we'll go ahead and start things off, Zach, with uh, Monday night's game. Uh, were you surprised because you don't, I, I think looking back on it, the 14 points, the worst Nick Saban's ever lost or taken a loss since he, since he took over for Alabama, or took over Alabama, I should say. Uh, and then you had that game last Monday night, which was just an absolute ass-kicking almost from the get-go and then you had that brief time when the tide were up and then after that it was just absolute just an absolute one-sided affair so were you surprised by that or I mean were you kind of expecting that Clemson was going to go in there and throw down the way that they did
1: I don't think anybody was expecting Clemson to to throw down like that um I thought it was going to be a good you know competitive game um but I mean like I didn't Expect them to beat down um, Bama like that, but Tua had a bad night. Um, you know, he had a he had a great season all year long. Uh, I don't think it takes away from anything from his future or his NFL draft potential. But he just had he had a bad night. It was the wrong night to have a bad night.
0: And the funny thing about that is, even though he had a bad night, he still had some incredible throws in that game. Oh yeah, I and mean, there, uh, minus the the points where he was. He didn't handle. Usually, he's really good at handling pressure. I mean, leading up to that game, all people talked about was Tua is a guy where when he has pressure in his face, it doesn't it doesn't rattle him, it doesn't bother him. He still makes accurate throws. It's not an issue. And I mean, you, you saw Clemson get really creative with some of their blitzes. I mean, Alabama was putting their receivers in motion to identify man coverage, and then Clemson would use the um, the defender trailing that receiver. And they would just blitz him. So, I mean, they were throwing him from uh, both sides of the line there. And I loved it. I thought it was creative. And you knew it was creative because at one point I noticed that there was a blitz that was right into his face. And he still he still got hit. I mean, because he's a left-handed uh, quarterback. So, I mean, he's facing typically the left tackle is referred to as the blind side to his blind side is the right side and they brought him off the right edge past the left tackle. Not a problem. They got home on that one. So he, so he had a couple of throws. One, when they were, they were getting rolled pretty good at that point and he got on the run. And do you remember this one? I think Judy was the receiver, but he just, he's on, he's rolling out, uh, trying to buy some time. And then he just puts up a pass. It drops right in. I mean, it's accurate. I mean, hits the receiver on the run. I mean, it's, rare stuff so even in the middle of watching Bama get absolutely rolled and loving every second of it I was able to stop and say like that was a special throw so I mean there's something to that guy even in a game where he's getting beaten down by a Clemson defense that looked great uh, the front seven uh, really uh, just I mean all hands on deck there and then their corners looked outstanding in that game I mean really cashed in when Tua made some mistakes so but I won't take anything away from Tua outside of that loss. I still think he's an outstanding talent. Um, I love the way he throws the ball. I love the way that he's able to throw his receivers open. You saw that skill set the other night. But, well, I mean, let's face it. I mean, you enjoyed watching them get get tossed, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think everybody enjoys seeing a team like Bama get the snot beaten out of them. I mean, it's the same thing with the Pats in the NFL. Um, you go to women's basketball with UConn, like, There's those dynasties that, I mean, people just get sick of you. Um, And when you're that good, you're that good. It's not your fault. Um, But, you know, there's going to be a lot more fans that want to see you lose than want to see you win at those points.
0: And the tragic irony for Bama is the the receiver who carved them up the deepest in that game is a former Bama commit with Ross. Yep. And I I what's what's the story that he bounced because he didn't like the, the, coaching the frequent turnover that they had. Yeah, in the coaching yep. department. So I mean and I mean when I say carved him up, I mean like he absolutely killed them in that game. And he, he had a little bit working for him. I mean, like he was making some grabs, like that, that one hander yeah. grab that he made. You just know it's your night. But I mean, we watched him, I mean like he crushed Notre Dame. Yep. It's like Notre Dame didn't bother the game plan for him and he absolutely skinned them. So,
1: but did Notre Dame game um, plan big, for anybody? Let's be honest.
0: Well, you were making the joke about when Julian Love went down, and then people were like, "Well, I mean, Julian Love's out." And you're like, "You're like he can't define the entire field."
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the one team that they needed a game plan for the most that they they probably didn't was Pitt, and Pitt almost got him.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, Clemson, Clemson should have lost to Syracuse.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So that I was, mean, that was a crazy I mean, game. You to say,
0: you think about all the all the near near misses this year for teams that ended up at the top or near the top. So I loved it. I think that it's really scary when you think about Clemson. I mean, we haven't even talked about Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he was outstanding in that game. Uh, lived. I mean, they were hyping him up before it, lived up to it, and then some. I mean, the fact that he's a true freshman and just had the game of a lifetime is awesome, despite what Quinn and Williams says. And I have to say that I'm a little disappointed in how that guy's acted. I, did, I mean, you and I were were texting during the Orange Bowl and I said that Quintan Williams was was acting like a complete turd during that game when he was going after Kyler Murray. I didn't know what his deal was with that game, but he, clearly it wasn't a young. one game affair.
1: He's young. I think that's the biggest thing for him. Um you know, there's gonna be a, a little maturity growth that he has to go through. Um but I I don't I kinda write that stuff off. Um cause you got to remember i i mean is he even 20 21 like you know what i'm saying he might I, be 20,
0: I think he's right in that range yeah
1: so um i don't know uh, as as much as you like to say like dude what are you doing at the same time like you know 2021 wasn't too long ago for me but at the same time like you think back to the, and the things that you probably did and you're like oh okay
0: you think that we get clemson bama 5 next year
1: um I mean it's hard to say no, because what's stopping them? You know? Um, the biggest problem for Clemson
0: Nothing. The, the answer is the answer is nothing.
1: Well, I mean the biggest problem for Clemson is they're they're gonna be losing a lot of guys on defense. Um Tavon Mullen already declared, Dexter Lawrence declared, Christian Wilkins is gone regardless, um Albert Huggins mm-hmm. is gone regardless. Um I think Bryant is gone regardless. And I'm pretty sure Cleveland Farrell will declare. So I mean, just that alone. Oh, and their one linebacker, um, fifty-seven. I cannot remember his name. He declared too. So like, front seven's like fresh. Um, not saying that they won't be any good. Um, that's just a little difficult to overcome.
0: I think what they have going in their favor is how quickly that that school tends to replenish what it loses. Um. You've seen it done. It would do that, with the receiver core over the past couple of seasons, which was impressive. And then, I mean, at one point it was Kelly Bryant with uh, Hunter Johnson behind yep. him, and then I think I think Trevor Lawrence was the number two overall prospect in the country behind Justin Fields. So Trevor Lawrence comes in, and the funny thing is, I mean, Fields is transferring. Yeah. And did you see and uh, lo- lo- and What's his
1: name at Ohio State's now transferring after he said. Yeah. Date. Yeah. Yeah. After he said on like the end of December, where he's like, "Oh, I don't care who's coming in. Like, I'm gonna stay here and compete." And now he's like, uh, and anyone but Trevor or Justin Fields."
0: Yeah. I I mean I don't blame him either. I mean Justin Fields is gonna get playing time in uh in Columbus, so that's rough. I uh, I don't think it's one of those things where you make the statement you don't think like it couldn't possibly be that. But I mean, Dwayne Haskins was essentially recruiting yep. him, so. I mean, this is what you get. So, yeah, Justin Fields goes to Ohio State. Yeah, I hate that school. But, um, yeah, Clemson is going to be fascinating to see what happens with that defense, the turnover that, um, that they have. Um, Their offensive line looked really good the other night. I think that that's kind of been an underrated story because, I mean, it's hard to hold up against that Bama front. Although, all things considered, Isaiah Bugs had a bad night. Mm-hmm um right right was pretty much nowhere to be yep. found so I think, I think I mean outside i mean quinn I mean, yeah i on. was just
1: gonna say quick i think i think mitch hyatt played himself probably back into day two more likely round two at this point um you know at one point there was there was that. some consideration for him being like a first round kind of offensive tackle but i think you're gonna see the same thing happen to him that happened to um connor williams from texas last year um that dallas mm. took um a guy that was once kind of considered like a prolific young offensive tackle ends up getting taken in day two and turns into a, a pretty solid guard in the long run, hopefully.
0: Yeah, I'm interested to see that. I think they, they deserve a lot of props because they held up well. And then um, the last thing I want to mention, and you already said something, Cleland Farrell looked really good in that game. And he's kind of a wild card just because, I mean, like he's got the length and the speed off of, off the edge that you like. But, I mean, it's kind of a motor thing. And, I mean, it really depends what you're getting game to game. So, I thought he picked a great time to show out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, at that point, hopefully he kind of catches, for the sake of his draft stock and future, um, he kind of catches the same wave as uh, Kevin Dodd did. Because um, that's what happened with Kevin Dodd. But Kevin Dodd wasn't considered quite the pass rusher that uh, Cleveland Farrell was up to this point, you know. Farrell had it coming into the year showed he's I've struggled with him on my board at one point I had him like top eight and then he kind of dropped down into like the late teens and now he's kind of back up to like the mid low teens for me um I haven't seen enough tape to to really put a solid stamp on him but I think he's gonna go I think it's pretty safe to say top 20 at this point um yeah because good pass yeah. rushers are hard to come by, and, and he's got the size and everything you want at that point.
0: Yeah, and the funny thing about Kevin Dodd is, I mean, he picked the the perfect game to show out too, and a big reason for that is Alabama's right tackle, <laughs> and that game just was not very good and was just absolutely flat abused by him. Because, I mean, like everyone went into that game expecting to see Shaq Lawson. so
1: Yeah, RIP Shaq Lawson.
0: Yeah, RIP Shaq Lawson. And then, you know, Mackenzie Alexander. <clears throat> the best <sighs> corner to come out of that class of course not
1: baby giraffe legs
0: mm, yeah and he got hurt in that game early I mean I will say that his presence or lack thereof hurt Clemson in that first title game against Alabama but that was all like they didn't have Mike Williams that year because he had that freak injury when he ran into the, the goal post yep. which was scary enough and I'm really because I loved him as a as a prospect I was glad to see him Because, I mean, he obviously recovers from that. And then the next year when they play in Tampa in the national championship game, especially on that last drive, he absolutely handled Alabama. They just had no answer for him. Yeah,
1: huge. Absolutely huge in that drive. I think think that's what made him go from like, okay, Mike Williams is pretty good. We've known Mike Williams is pretty good to like, wowzer. Like, Mike Williams is really good.
0: Yeah, he bodied up in that game. And the thing, he wasn't the only receiver who showed up that night. Deion Cain had a big game. And then Hunter Renfro, obviously. Hunter Renfro, I mean, the funny thing is the huge beating they they threw down the other night is the least you'll ever see Hunter Renfro do against Alabama.
1: Yeah, I mean, he he barely existed. He, He was, essentially what they used him for was to uncover coverages so Trevor Lawrence could figure out what he was looking at.
0: Exactly um <clears throat> and i mean so i mean it, it obviously worked and it allowed uh they really i mean Etienne. The the one one last thing i want to mention and then we'll get on to the the coaching search because i know that's exactly what you want to talk about that in quarterbacks <laughs> um you i i always say that you never see bama get beat to the edge by a running back and if you're in a game cherish it because it doesn't happen often like they just they have so much speed from all three levels getting to the edge and I feel like Clemson got to the edge a bunch in that game and you kind of started to feel like things were different at that point because I mean Etienne was I mean how many touchdowns did he have three
1: yeah yeah he he went to town I I like him a lot he reminds me a lot of Wayne Gallman who's a dude that I liked a lot coming out too
0: yeah he's still with the Giants right I believe so.
1: The Giants stable of running backs that no one knew what to do until they drafted Saquon Barkley.
0: Right. Now it's like this immortal like wrestling stable they have going on there. But um yeah, Etienne look, looked outstanding. Um and I mean a lot of those touchdowns he scored were all when the game was close. It's not like he's picking up in garbage time. I mean, at Alabama still very much had a pulse at that point. And yeah, that you, I mean uh, it,
1: it wasn't the first touchdown cuz the first touchdown was a pick-six. I think it was the the second one that he scored, where it was just like uh, an off, off, like an off tackle kind of zone play, and he just like got to the edge, and it was over. Like it's some again something you just don't see against Bama too often.
0: And on that play, I mean, when he went and he comes off the edge like that, and you're always thinking like, okay, maybe you're gonna go ahead and uh, get past the the first level, but then typically you're gonna see the safety. And the linebacker come flying in at that point. If the corner isn't able to hold up um, at that point of attack, and I mean, just nowhere to be found. I mean, like he was—he looked big, fast, and strong throughout. And I don't think he—he he scored three consecutive. I think he got two yeah. there, and then I want to say, I don't know, but I just One remember the thinking back like, end somewhere. Yeah, I just remember thinking, like, does this dude have three touchdowns against Bama? So, but,
1: I mean, the weird thing, of, speaking of speaking of not good safety at that point, Deontay Thompson had, like, his two worst game. games by far, that game and the game prior against um, Oklahoma, which, yeah. not good looks, um, where, like, you had a great season and, like, Bama's schedule wasn't that hard, um, especially considering they're Bama. Um, and then, like, in the two most important games, like, he like dropped a goose egg. Like he was not good at all. Um, yeah. He's a dude that I've had floating top twenty, top fifteen on my board. But like, I really hope he goes back to school.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know who else? I mean, let's be honest. You know who else sucked in that game was Mac Wilson. I thought yeah. that he he looked very bad. Yeah. So which, I mean, no offense, but to anyone who's watching this and or watching this, listening to this, and thinks that they're really into Mac Wilson, but I thought that he Clemson just abused him during that game. So Deontay Thompson, yeah. I remember at one point thinking like, man, 14 is usually so much better when I watch him play. And I also agree that, I mean, Kyler Murray got him pretty good on a couple of plays uh, in that Orange Bowl and then more of the same. Anyway, we'll transition it now. I mean, we were wait, pretty, wait. you know, before,
1: we, before we jump, there's something I was thinking about today, actually. Um, speaking of yeah. Orange Bowl... Super random, not relevant to this draft or anything. I really like Calcaterra, the tight end from Oklahoma. Like, I think there's a chance I like him more than Mark Andrews.
0: Well, I was just going to say, like, I mean, they were fortunate to find that dude as the ideal Mark Andrews replacement. So
1: Yeah, and I think he's going to be a lot better than Mark Andrews, which is crazy.
0: Well, you and I were talking earlier because I mean everyone's focusing on guys like I mean it's hard not to talk about Kyler Murray, especially in the wake of the news that he may very well declare for the NFL draft. Uh, but I mean we love the receivers, which I mean for the longest time I used to make fun of Oklahoma's receivers, but I mean Marquise Brown is coming out. I mean, the CD Lamb I think is the the main attraction there. I love what he's able to do after the catch. I mean he's physical. Um, you saw in that. In that orange bowl, I thought he beat up in the second half. He beat up uh Bama's perimeter pretty good.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, he it's weird because I don't think he has outstanding speed, I don't think he has great size, but like he's one of those dudes. He reminds me so much of that like Reggie Wayne prototype that like. They just get the job done, no matter what the situation is. Um,
0: you know, his that is his a perfect physical, comparison. By the way, I love that his, Reggie like, Wayne is always physical, the guy I think of.
1: His physical build and like gifts are obviously more suited for our time period than Reggie Wayne coming out. But like, I, I just think that like he's just a guy that's reliable that gets it done, and like has some crazy moments along the way
0: again he's like we were so zach and i before (laughs) we keep pushing this off but um we were talking earlier on the phone about i because i love to scout receivers and i'm a big fan of like the bama template they put out right now where all their guys are about six one they're all strong route runners they can beat the jam but i mean they're fluid i mean in and out of their breaks they're great after the catch um i love that reggie wayne i think fits that it, I mean, really, you could say, like, the, he is that mold. Because, I mean, that was Reggie Wayne when he was coming out of Miami in 2001. So, uh, Bama's had guys like Amari Cooper, who also had a little bit of dimension of he can go and get jump balls a little bit, too. Calvin Ridley's more of the um, the prototypical slasher that Alabama, I think, looks for at this point. And then I, I've i talked about Jerry Judy before, who won the Bolitnikov this year. Love him as well. But, I mean, on the other side there, you're talking about guys like uh, CD Lamb. And CeeDee Lamb, too, is, like, he's tough to jam. I mean, he just looks like a strong presence at the line of scrimmage. But, I mean, like, he does plenty of damage after the catch. I mean, he's clearly fast, but he's got an—I love that skill set. I love Calvin Ridley's skill set, even though um, Calvin's a, a little bit more slight in terms of weight, I think, than uh, CD Lamb is going to weigh in at, but— all right. I could nerd out about receivers all day. I don't want to do that for the sake of everyone listening. All right. Coaching search. So is it down to two, maybe three? I mean, no, I don't, don't uh, want to.
1: I think it's three. I don't believe the internets. Um,
0: the interwebs so, and the YouTubes. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I don't mess with that nonsense. Um, but I, I think we're pretty I think it's pretty safe to say that. It's down to Rizzy, who should have his interview tomorrow, and then Mm -hmm. uh, Richard and Flores. Um, I I still don't know that much about Flores, um, so I don't really even have an opinion on him, which I I guess I probably should because this is what we do, but I just don't, and I apologize. Um, But I think at the end of the day, I think they're going to wait at this point till everyone's done so there might not even be a coach announcement next week like don't lose your minds if there's no coach announcement next week if you know the cowboys win or the pats win or whatever um because there's nobody else going for those guys so they can take the, their sweet old time
0: you can say sweet ass time if you want um so <laughs> what well, the dolphins just announced their coaching higher at the at the draft
1: yeah yeah i mean the only way that happens if they trade for harbaugh oh well oh, I guess wow. that'd be the, the first day of uh uh the new league year for for free agency, but um I mean living till March wouldn't be too bad.
0: The draft is in need to Nashville live much this year. Right? There. <laughs> is, it, is it in Nashville this year? I feel like it yes. is. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well uh the funny thing about the two candidates, Richard Flores is one you're you're grading if you're a fan you're grading on his body of work and that'd be Richard because i mean you're talking about his uh what he was able to do with the Legion of Boom how uh, how much of a hand he had in that uh the fact that he's had Dallas's secondary looking really good this year when Dallas's secondary has been flat out laughable for the most part and it's not like I love the young players that he has in that secondary because he's got like, I mean, Jordan Lewis, who's like a smaller corner. And then he's got Chidobe Awuja, who was a guy I really liked out of Colorado last year, who is not a huge guy. I think he's just under six foot. But I mean, like, I think he's got a really strong upper body. I mean, he's just a uh, despite the maybe the s- slightly smaller frame. I mean, like he's really strong. I don't think. And then, I mean, Byron Jones, they also have in there, too, uh, who's a really incredible athlete. The safeties for them, I mean, if you're a big fan of Heath, I'm really not, but he's had them playing really well. And then Flores, I don't look at this 2018 Pats defense as any, like a signature product of that franchise. I think it's been at times kind of bad, but I mean, you're grading him on how he interviews. I mean, how he presents himself. I mean, what other people say about him, Um, how he carries himself and everything. And it's talking about not trusting the interwebs and the YouTubes. I thought that the report I saw come out earlier this week is that Flores' interview wasn't that impressive. Now I'm seeing all these reports that it was impressive and that, I mean, people are just absolutely all about him too, in addition to Chris Richard. So, first of all, which is it? I don't know. And second of all, you hope that he's able to do more with this team than he has with 2018 New England. I mean, in 2018, New England could end up still winning the Super Bowl, and then I look like a complete idiot for saying all this. But, and I know he doesn't have a lot to work with in terms of of pass rushers and, and whatnot. So, I mean, this isn't, I mean, he's, he doesn't have Willie McGinnis out there. You know, he doesn't have Richard Seymour. But, I mean, they still have decent pieces on that line. Uh, the, the linebacker crew is still. I mean, better than most. I think the secondary is really where they've been a letdown this year. So, as evidenced by what Ryan Tannehill was able to do to them in South Florida a couple weeks ago. Rest in peace, Ryan Tannehill and Mike Lee.
1: That Gronkowski dude playing safety, they need a new safety. I would definitely not be using him anymore.
0: Did you ever see that video that Barso put up about that old guy who was watching the game? Yeah, the guy
1: from Boston, right?
0: How uh. could it happen? And I love it. How it just like the first minute you just watch him and it's just like watching a fan process the terrible thing that's happened to their team. And remember, he's just sitting there. He's like, oh, 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 oh. my, my favorite part is like, his
1: wife. And she's like, what? What? What?" what they
0: happened? won. <laughs> <laughs> and they like shoo her. They're like, yeah, get out of here. He's yeah. like, "Wow, they won!" They're like, "No, Grandma, they lost."
1: Grandma, get yeah, out of here before I, Grandpa kills you.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then all of a sudden, like, he just becomes like absolutely unhinged, and that's when he flip. I love that video, and honestly, between home and work, I've probably watched it about four hundred times. He like, turns off his hearing of aid and throws a fit. How could it happen? <laughs> so, <laughs> I love it. So. I mean, the, I, I don't know that there's really much to talk about outside of. I mean, I like Original Resonator. Chris Richard, I, I will pat, pat ourselves on the back. I feel like we were one of the first groups out there talking about him. And I think it was, you brought him up when we were like, if, because Adam Gase, we thought was safe. And we we're yeah. like, but if he's not, who? Yeah, that was that conversation. Yeah, it's like we think he's safe, but if something happens, if something happens and, and Ross, you know, throws us the curveball. Then who would you take? And I think your first, first or second guy was Chris Richard. So,
1: yeah, because I remember like we didn't even fully prep that, and we we just started talking about it. Like, well, what if it happens? And I was like, I didn't really research this, so the only guys that I knew off the top of my head were like, I guess Todd's gonna get fired, and then I was like, oh yeah, that that guy from uh from Dallas, what was his name, Chris Richard. So. And then we started talking a little bit about him and Legion of Boom and stuff. So even if we weren't the yeah. first, I don't care. We can take the credit for that.
0: We'll be like the guys on YouTube first. So <laughs> um, I, it's exciting. I don't, I mean, Flora's. I hate saying I'm going to defer to the better judgment because sometimes I feel like this team doesn't have better judgment. But I, I'm fine with them ultimately. Like I've, I've seen him talk and everything and fine. I see what he's had to work with in New England. New England still (laughs) had a bye last weekend. So, but we'll see. I don't know. Do you have a preference at all? Like, if you could go ahead and rank these guys one, two, three, could you do that?
1: I think it probably just goes Rizzy, Richard, 1A, 1B, and then Flores is probably like three. Um, And like, I'm not opposed to Flores. He's just just not the preference out of the the three, Um, you know, so that's it.
0: Well, he's in in terms of body at work. He's the least familiar, least familiar of the three, in my opinion. I think I love.
1: I think he's just like the least like appealing, like there's no appeal to him. You know what I'm saying? Like there's nothing that jumps out like, you know, one of the things that when I'm looking at guys for the draft, um, you know, I give them points on like big games and signature wins and moments and stuff like that. And like I just probably wouldn't give him anything in that, maybe maybe a point or two because he's on the Pats and you technically get a, a big win here or there, you know, good win against the Chiefs early in the season, I guess, when they were rolling. Um But like Rizzy Rizzy everybody likes because he's been around for so long and he has all that player support already. And then Richard's the sexy guy with the Legion of Boom in his back pocket, um, and how Dallas's defense has kind of turned around. So again, nothing, nothing necessarily wrong with Flores. Um, just not, not super sexy with anything in his pocket.
0: I, do you think the whole New England Patriots coaching tree stigma hurts too?
1: Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I've never been like somebody that looks at people based on like the tree that they come from, that's always like the fifth, sixth thing that's on my radar. Like, Oh yeah. Who, who was he under? But that's more in my mind of like, okay, if this person becomes a head coach, like who else may they hire? Um, so, I mean, I guess in some people's eyes based on what some of the guys have done. Yeah. Um, but it's not a big thing for me, at least personally.
0: I, so I'd rank Richard 1, Risenator right behind him, Flores 3 and mainly because the we just had a defensive coaching staff that really for all intents and purposes did not know what the hell it was doing. And Xavier Howard was still nasty in that defense and Mika Fitzpatrick is likely going to be a pro bowler. And you still have outstanding safeties and we still need to get that, that second corner. But You think about what that that secondary could do with a guy like Chris Richard in there, and it's hard not to begin hyperventilating thinking about that. Like Chris Richard is like, yeah, Xavier Howard and Minka Fitzpatrick, and for the the time, you know, Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald, I'll take those guys' things. I mean, you know, and still, McCain uh, in the slot too, so I think that'd be a lot of fun. But at the same time, I also think that so many people are selling this on Twitter that <clears throat> I'm just worried that I'm going to buy in and then get absolutely uh, morally demolished. <clears throat> so I don't want that. I can't stand the hurt. So, okay, we're at just under 32 minutes. So we're not going to make that 30 minutes. We're going to make the that 45 cut. We're
1: going to make it this time.
0: I think we might make 40. So Ooh. let's move this on the, your topic you've been pounding the keg in uh, anticipation of this. I fell asleep twice being prepared
1: for this. All right.
0: I present to you 2019 quarterback talk. Uh, I know uh, we're here. That's okay. uh, (laughs) It'll be fine. Uh, So right now you got a new regime that's going to come in. Obviously they'll retain Matt Burke as their defensive candidate. I'm courting, I'm kidding. That's not gonna happen. But they're gonna come in. What do you think the chances that they go for the quarterback in the right off the bat?
1: I think it depends on I think it depends on how influenced Chris Greer is out the gate being the man in charge now. Um you know, I think I think Ross is going to want to boost that sex appeal straight out the gate. Um, but I think if Ross truly respects Greer as much as he said, um, I think Greer will go the route that makes the most sense for long-term success. Because um, I think he's already done that with the choices that he's been allowed to make. Um, so... I mean, I still think at this point, since we have so little details and we're so far out, I mean, I'll still keep it at 50-50. Um, but I think in the long run, I think as long as Greer is truly making the lead decisions on player personnel coming in, I think he'll make the decision that's the better long-term option than the the sexy pick right off the bat.
0: Okay, so suppose you're Chris Greer. What would you do?
1: What would I do? Um, yes, I'd I'd find a team that's less chaotic um, and see if they want me to be their janitor. That's not an option. Oh, oh, I can't be a janitor <laughs> somewhere else. Okay, never mind. Um, no, so no, you're no. saying I have to pick a player here? Yeah. Um, if
0: yeah, make some decisions. What? But before you answer, oh boy. I will say that the option to pursue Josh Rosen is on the board.
1: Oh so you you're going with the the goofiness like potential Kyle Murray at one Josh Rosen's available um Cliff is going crazy in the desert it,
0: let's just say it's a possibility cuz I don't know they they could be I mean, I'm sure people are making too much of this but just for for the hell of it just because free agent huh, um free agency is fun and everything but when you are in a situation when a team might be trading a quarterback after his first year then that's something different entirely. So let's just say that it's a possibility. So you can explore that if you want to. But what would you do?
1: Yeah, I mean obviously you're exploring all options, you're making calls, seeing what what the price is prior to the dance. Um but at the end of the day, I'm I'm still leaning into the I'd rather hang my hat on 2020 or you know shit bricks for Trevor Lawrence in 2021. Um, I just think at the end of the day, there's nobody in this class quarterback-wise um, worth hanging your hat on if you believe there's a long-term build and project that you can come out successfully with in Miami. Um, I think if I had to consider a quarterback, um, I, I'd I'd probably consider Kyler Murray. Um, I wouldn't trade up for him. I'd either naturally take him at 13, or you know, even better yet, play the cards a little and see if I can bump down uh, with all the defensive talent at the top. If somebody really wants a, you know, a greedy Williams or a, you know, Jeffrey Simmons or something, um, bump down. See if you can play that game to have him fall to you there. Um, but other than that, I'm I'm not hanging my hat on any of these. Guys, especially because of the, the volatility of the job market in the NFL at this point, um, you know, and, and looking at the, the head coaches, it's not like you're bringing in an Adam Gage. You're not bringing in a, a quote unquote, offensive genius or whatever um, that you got to hitch to a quarterback. So, you know, would you rather build in the trenches and build especially if you get a, a Richard in there. Um, I think even Rizzi, probably the same way. And I guess you can say the same for Flores, but like, would you rather build up a nice defense and a good offensive line and, you know, get your, your weapons that you already have and maybe then some more in place for a guy a year or two from now? I feel much more comfortable doing that.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Let's see if they stay put at 13. Because, I mean, with guys like Drew Locke, maybe Kyler Murray, uh, Dwayne Haskins, and your personal favorite, Daniel Jones. It's going to be interesting interesting to see what (laughs) happens there. Uh, You mentioned Easton Stick. He's a lot of fun. He's another another option because I loved what I've seen from him. Um,
1: I I think this class is a great quarterback class if you're looking to take a guy in two through five. Um, I think this is a great class where if you're like, you know what? Let's take a guy day two, best case scenario, maybe he becomes like an Andy Dalton or something. Um, you know, maybe best best case scenario, he becomes a, a Russell Wilson. Um, but worst case scenario, probably a solid backup. Like I think this draft is full of those kind of guys. Um, I just I just wouldn't spend a first this year.
0: There you go. So if you're just sitting at thirteen, regardless of the position, right now, who are you taking?
1: Who am I taking at 13? Um, the way mock drafts have kind of looked based off of that. Um I guess I guess I'm still probably thinking uh like a, a Dalton Risner. Um, you know, a lot of people are giving Cody Ford from Oklahoma a lot of love up top now. Mm-hmm. Um he's gonna be listed as a tackle, but I think he's he's probably a better guard option. Yeah. Um, You know, of course, I, I, we both love Zach Allen. Um, I think 13 may be a little little strong for him because um, he doesn't give you that prolific pass rusher. But if you do want a pass rusher, I mean, I think there are guys like Clell and Farrell might be there. Um, Montez uh, Sweat or whatever his name is from um, Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he had a really interesting year. He's a guy that I got to do more tape on. Um, because he has a weird like sack to pressure ratio where like he always has like 12 sacks a year, but his pressures are really low compared to that. It's like sacks are nothing for him, um, which is really strange. So I haven't I haven't seen him enough to kind of figure out what the issue is
0: there. What about greedy?
1: I mean, uh, when it comes to – I've had this conversation um, with you a couple times. I've had this conversation with my Jets buddy a couple times because – they're kind of perpetually in the corner market too. Um I think at the end of the day when it comes to Greedy Baker and Byron Murphy, it could end up being like a choose your own flavor of who goes first, um which then kind of sets off a chain reaction of who goes and follows. Um you know, I think Byron Murphy probably has the best ball skills out of all of them, um and he comes from that University of Washington corner pedigree that people like um, I think Baker has the best feet and flat-out skill set. Um, he's very technical with the way he moves and the way he plays the ball. Um, but he doesn't necessarily have the size. There's a chance he comes in at five ten five. Um, and then Greedy's got the size and the the crazy athleticism. But you know he had his moments where techniques kind of sloppy and stuff like that. Um, the wild card, which I haven't done enough tape on to, to even remotely put a stamp on him at all is uh, Tavon Mullen out of uh, Clemson there. You know, he had a really good year too, but Clemson corners, like they just freak me out. Um, they just never seem to get it done at the next level. So it's hard to to say that he's in that, that triumvirate to make a, a four-person party, but there's a chance that he could.
0: We don't know anything about <clears throat> Clemson. Clemson defensive backs not, no, not, not not making it happen at the next level. No experience there yeah. whatsoever. So you mentioned your yeah, we'll see you, we'll see. You mentioned your Jets, buddy. So we're just going to talk about this for a minute. You know where we're going. So you yeah. sent me you sent me a, a tag or you tried to call me yesterday and I wasn't able to yep. answer. And then randomly, I just opened up Twitter, and then I saw Adam Gase is the new head coach the uh, New York Jets j-e-s-t uh what, what was your for? and that was what you were calling me about so what is what was your first yeah. reaction to that i mean like
1: good for gase um we weren't sure that he was that he should have been fired in the first place um but you know there's there were a lot of moving pieces of that um i mean my first reaction was essentially like trying to talk my jets buddy off the cliff because he went from like like raging boner over Mike McCarthy when he got fired, had to talk him off that cliff. Then he went to Cliff Kingsbury, which which is a cool hire, but like Cliff ain't done nothing. Um, it's so, questionable
0: too. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then he went to to Matt Rule, which I like. Matt Rule, um, Matt Rule was really great in Temple when I was in Philly. Um, you know, he's kind of turned that Baylor program around. But then Matt Rule's like. I'm okay in Waco here. Like I've got a quarterback, like I'm good. Um, And so like, it kind of came down to nobody at that point. It was like, who, who are the jets going to take? And I think they panic hired, Um, you know, the, and, and the craziest thing is like the media for the jets, the way they've like tried to spin it and stuff has been like so ridiculous. Cause you know, Four Months ago, they're like, Whoa, look at Adam Gase like talking back to reporters and, and being an asshole in press conferences. And now they're like, He's smart and he's a good leader and he won't take any crap from anybody. It's like, uh, Oh, okay. Like, that's not what you're saying three or four months ago. <laughs> um, so, at the, so at the end of the day, like, I, I'm happy for Adam Gase because like I think he had the potential to be a good coach what we've talked about in the past that his biggest flaw is that his, his loyalty to like his guys um, kind of got him in trouble in the long run. And the craziest thing is right now, it looks like he's bringing in his guys again. Yeah. Like, like dude, like what are you doing? Like, why are you bringing in Vance Joseph and Loggins? Yeah. Like why? Pat Oswalt
0: for sure. Yeah.
1: He looks <laughs> you
0: can't, I just look at Dow Loggins and I'm just like, oh man, it, is that Patton Oswald? Because I mean when he was in uh when he was in Chicago, I just I couldn't get over it, especially when he had the visor on. I was just like, holy crap. That is the ultimate doppelganger for Patton. So um
1: I, I would have rather had Patton Oswald. At least he's funny.
0: Yeah. I think I'd rather have Patton Oswald too. I, I don't know. The the whole thing is so weird. And as you mentioned, if Adam Gase thought that he had a problem with the South Florida media, the South Florida media is pretty much like highly derivative of how the New York media behaves. So here you go. Um, and like, yeah, Vance Joseph. I mean, I saw also the rumor that Greg Williams, I always make the jokes that Greg Williams looks like uh, he's like in the witness protection program because it looks like his beard is fake. And it looks like he's wearing a wig. I can't get over that guy's appearance. Like whenever they'd show him during Cleveland games, I'm like, who is he hiding from? It's almost like he thinks like, cause he was banned from the league for a little while that he thinks like he has to dress like that to come back in after the whole bounty gate mess or whatever. So I don't know what's going to ha- end up happening there. I'm interested to see what happens between Adam Gase and Sam Darnold. The funny thing is it sounds like this whole hiring was put in motion Uh, I saw the report from several sources on Twitter on Tuesday night or excuse me, yesterday that on Tuesday night, Peyton Manning called the Jets. Or one way or another, they talked to him, maybe they called him, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know who called whom, but they talked to Peyton Manning and it sounds like he totally vouched um, for uh, Adam Gase in a big way. So big, in fact, that I mean, 24 hours later. We find out that he's the next coach for the uh, the New York Jets. I'm sure Rich Eisen is stoked. By the way, he loves talking to that guy. So
1: he was not he was not thrilled from what I saw on Twitter. I <laughs> wish Peyton Manning would you know vouch for me to get a good job. Dang. Yep. If he's just giving out jobs like that, hook a brother up.
0: I love that report that was coming out today because everyone was like, "How does Rich Eisen feel?" And then you, like they showed everything he was saying. It was like, "Wait a minute! I thought they were buds." Nah. So, I don't know. That's New York for you. Maybe they'll warm up to him if he comes in. And I mean, this is this division could be for the taking coming up here. So I mean, the next steps are precious and and important. So what we're able to do to try to build for build for the future, we thought the Dolphins were going to be the team to take out the Patriots and kind of reassert themselves as the top of the AFC East. It does not look like that's going to be ha- that's going to happen. Not by a not by a stretch, so I don't know. We'll see. Weird weekend football could get weirder. Uh, do you want to do picks and then we'll we'll uh, roll it for tonight? <laughs>
1: yeah, that works for me. All
0: right. So I went. I think I did fifty percent. I think I did two for four because I got Indy upsetting Houston. I think I, did I not took get that one. I took the bait. Well, I just knew that I thought Houston was trash. Um, Seattle, I didn't uh, really plan on them choosing to ignore the, the pass the entire game. So they lose. I mean, that game really wasn't as close as it appeared on the sheet. So I think we both picked Seattle in that one. We yeah. both had the Chargers winning, which they did. I thought they looked pretty good. Melvin Ingram was just absolutely disgusting in that game. And their secondary secondary for the most part played well until late when it was almost like they shut it down and then Lamar Jackson kept playing. So I thought that was interesting. Um, I'm hoping that the Chargers just, and we'll get to that in a second. And then the big surprise for me, Chicago just taking an absolute dump at home. I figured they would win at least one game and then it was going to be, Maybe they were already thinking about that next game, too, about going to the Coliseum on Saturday night because they're going to be watching that game from home. Uh, and the the only thing I'll say before we, we move on and get to our picks, I felt really bad for Mitchell Trubisky because that last drive, I get that it's essentially against a, a prevent defense, but he had one throw where he put it over the top and dropped it right into the box along the sideline. That was fantastic, and a throw that people all year have been saying that like he can't make, and he struggled to make. But in that game, like his team needed him with the game on the line. I mean, he took them right down the field. He looked great. So I felt bad that with everything that went down at the end of that game, with like the ridiculous, you know, the field goal that hits the uprights—that's all that Cody Parkey does—and then it turns out it was tipped and then hit the upright, which means that God just hates him, even though he always points up to him. Um, I, it sucks that that's all going to get lost, but Chicago's offensive game plan made no sense to me. They abandoned the run almost immediately, which I get you're going up against a team that stops the run pretty well, but I thought that Matt Nagy was a, a creative guy and I didn't see a lot of creativity there. I saw a lot of conservative, conservative play calling, uh, and ultimately Chicago's defense has been their calling card all year. And then Philly's on that last drive is in the red zone. And I think that the first down marker was at the, it was either at the yard line or, y- you know, like the yard and a half line, two yards, somewhere in there. Philly gets the first down and that killed Chicago because Chicago had to use, uh, you had to use their timeouts at that point or at least two of them. That was the one thing they couldn't give up. And then most teams in that scenario score or just let the, the the offense score so they can get the ball back but you knew that Chicago such a proud defense they weren't going to do that and then they just give up a gimme on fourth down to Golden Tate so crummy way for it to end for them I mean like great season but man let me tell you uh my entire family Bears fans and the mood got dark when, after that game ended on Sunday night so, I felt bad for them. It reminded me of when the Dolphins blew it in San Diego in the 94 divisional round. Uh, I don't want to talk about that game. I still do not like talking about that game for the most part. It was the worst playoff I can't loss really in the game. I, I
1: was like mm, I was coming up on a year old at that point, so shut up. That's that's right, a tough tu- that's, that's a tough one for me to talk about.
0: I get it. I'm older than you. <laughs> All right. All of that is to say picks this weekend let's start i think the opening game is uh indy in kansas city who you got
1: um i saw a really great um tweet by pft what is that pro football talk commenter um i forget what his actual name is um and he said oh uh a, a reich going into fight uh the red army in the snow give me kansas city i was like yes world war ii references i'll take kansas city
0: I'm rolling with Indy. I'm taking the upset again. Get out of here. I know. I'm, I'm doing it. I've seen Kansas City blow it at home in the divisional round before, especially uh, a year where everyone thought they were going to win it. Obviously, it's Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback, not Elvis Gerbach this time. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I just... They don't play defense. I get that Andy Reid has had a week to prepare for this, and typically off a bye, that guy is essentially bulletproof. I'm not buying it. I think Indianapolis pulls the upset at Arrowhead. And, I mean, I would love to – Kansas City is a team that I would love to see win it. I have no problem with those guys. I considered them like my third or fourth favorite team when I was a kid. Didn't have a problem with Kansas City as long as the Dolphins weren't playing them. Still feel that way. I love Patrick Mahomes. I think he's doing great things for the game. I think he's great. I mean, kids, I mean, he's a role model. I think that's cool. I mean, he's brought a lot of creativity to a position that at times can get a little stuffy, you know, in terms of the guys who have played it. And we're starting to see the position break out of that. And I mean, he, right now, I mean, he's the face of it. So that's cool. All that said, I think he's going to be watching the AFC Championship game from home. I think Indy pulls the upset. And I think that their defense looks really good right now, which I can't, can you believe we're talking about Indianapolis defense is good?
1: Yeah. Just, just a year or two ago, we were talking that sweet, sweet dumpster fire for
0: them. The, off, the preseason, we were making fun of it.
1: That's true. You know, I That's mean, like,
0: it was, and that was a low hanging fruit at that point, but I mean, Darius Leonard and crew changed things up fast. Their and their offensive line is just absolutely stupid right now. I mean, A- Anthony Costanzo's never played better. Quentin Nelson is just an absolute battering ram in there. So, yeah, man. We'll see. I'm taking Indy. All right. Uh, Coliseum Saturday night. It's not Chicago going there. It is the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, what do you think?
1: Um, While I want McVeigh to lose because of all the McVay hires this past week, all I'm going to say that. That the Rams win because I just want the Dolphins to be able to hire a coach. Um, So, again, I'm picking the the Cowboys to lose just so the Dolphins can hire a coach.
0: I'm taking the road, dog. (laughs) I think Dallas, I I can't believe I'm saying this, too, because I don't, I'm not buying Dallas. But. And I mean, yeah, L.A.'s got no, man, I don't know. This is going to be a tough one because L.A.'s got girly back. Um and I think that this is gonna that's really gonna put some juice in in their offense. Obviously, everything they run is predicated around that guy uh in terms of play action and whatnot. So but I I have to say that I'm feeling Dallas's defense right now, and I think that defense travels, and this is gonna be an interesting test. And oh man, if 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 Chris Richard can find a way to, to quiet down that that insane Rams passing attack then I'm not sure we deserve him. So, um, I don't know. Let's see. We can't have nice things here. I'm taking the (laughs) Cowboys, and I can't believe I'm saying that. Because, I mean, the Rams could very well just absolutely roll those guys. But I'm going to go with the upset. I think that you're going to see road teams win on Saturday. Sunday, I don't know that I can watch this game. Because, number one, I already hate New England. They disgust me. Uh, Number two the fact that I have money on the Chargers winning the Super Bowl. So if the Chargers lose, Tom Brady is literally taking food out of my child's mouth. So, because I mean, that money will essentially go into our college fund anyway. So this is going to be a tough one. I don't know that I'm going to be able to watch this game because if it goes south, I'm going to get so upset. All that said, what do you think happens in Fixboro on Sunday afternoon?
1: I'm going to say that the Pats have a total Alabama moment, and they just don't come prepared to play even at home when they're definitely the favorites, and I think the Chargers get them.
0: Phillip Rivers has got to beat them in that place at some point, right?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, we'll see. They've been living on the East Coast, so that's that's a tough ask, but I, I think they can do it.
0: Yeah, yeah I gotta, I got to back the Chargers. I think that this is this is Philip Rivers' swan song, and I think that it's only appropriate that he goes and plays a team that has always given him problems in a place. I mean, you think about when they played the AFC Championship game there after the 2007 season. And I think that Philip Rivers had a torn ACL. Torn, he had a torn ligament in his knee, and I think that didn't they hook him up with some sort of cadaver or something? Like He had something going with his knee.
1: Yeah, he he had a crazy one. That was that was a rough one, even at that point.
0: And he played through it, and that was after they upset Indianapolis uh, in Indy the the week prior. So, I am going with destiny here, and not my not just blind hope with seven hundred and ninety dollars riding on it. But um, I do think that the I think the Chargers, this is it. If they're going to do it, I think Hunter Henry plays. On Sunday, I think they're going to activate him. Uh, Melvin Ingram, who was just an absolute force um, last weekend, he and Bosa have to be at their best. Desmond King, Derwin, I was, I didn't think Derwin James had that great of a game against Baltimore. I thought that he had some real rookie moments. I, he like went up for a jump ball type interception. And it went right over him. He, you know, like that Raheem Moore yeah. moment.
1: Yeah, he looked real um, dumb on that one. But that's just trying to make a play. I, I don't, I don't blame him at that point.
0: I still would want him in there, you know. It's oh, not yeah. something where you look at. So, I think you know if you're if you're gonna go ahead and uh, and get well, should be on the Patriots. Um, the late game Sunday, Philadelphia and Nick Foles are going to the Dome playing the uh, the Saints. What do you think?
1: Mm, I think I think the Saints. Just it's weird because the Saints offense isn't like super duper explosive. They're just like really technically good at everything they do. Um, Yeah. And I think that's good. They don't have a ton of weapons. No, uh, uh, I mean, I mean, like they do, but like they don't. It's it's hard to explain the Saints offense. Um, But like, I think they have the right pieces and probably the right plan if anybody's going to make a plan to put put some numbers on that that philly defense that's pretty solid um and i think their defense is just good enough that if they can get nick Foles to make a few mistakes i think they walk away with that so i'm going to say saints on this one
0: yeah i i don't think i don't see the saints losing this game Uh, i think michael thomas is going to be a tough cover i think New Orleans is going to get after that secondary the way Chicago should have but did not. And I think that I mean if you're if you're New Orleans and you've got you look at Alvin Kamara as like the real chess piece here. So, in addition to that ground game that's been great for them all year, they love to run the ball. They will pound it if they they see fit. So, yeah. And I think the de- the defense in that dome is just a force, you know, they're fast, they're aggressive, uh they're scary. Which is funny because, I mean, when you think about Saints defenses, you're not typically thinking about something that intimidates you. But, I mean, they have a lot of talent on the back end. Uh, Cameron Jordan is always a problem for anyone. Um, You know, they get a nice push up the middle. Their linebacker core is healthy for the first time in forever. So, since the dome patrol pretty much. So, here we are. And I just, I think that the, I think the Saints roll at home. But I I also thought the Chicago was going to roll ultimately in that game i thought chicago would come out slow and then figure it out they came out slow and didn't figure it out so all right we were so close to 40 minutes and then turned into 60 <laughs> crap we try uh, anyway we try we're so gonna get this at some point we just need to continue to refine our craft which is talking at each other and saying stupid things that's which fine is we Me think falling
1: every- asleep twice before we do this while drinking the whole time <laughs>
0: That's fine. You, you needed a nap. There's nothing wrong with that. So, alright, we thank everyone for joining us, tuning in. This is I Hate the Fins. This is our 12th episode under the Finsider Radio podcast. Uh, n- uh, Umbrella Network. I can never remember the proper name they have for that thing, but that's what it is. You can catch other great programs on there. Finsider Radio, which is my old show. Uh, the Blowhole, which I think drops tomorrow. We're going to drop this. Well, Tomorrow, not really, because we're going to drop this on Saturday. So Blowhole is already out. So go listen to that, too, and enjoy it. Uh, For Zach, my name is Keith. Thanks again. We'll go ahead. We'll talk to you next week. Maybe we'll have a coach then. Maybe we won't. We'll find out. Good night. Hey, I'm Anil
1: Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.